gentlemen, good morning and welcome back. It's another beautiful Thursday morning and the WWE Universe is just two days away from the hottest ticket of the summer, SummerSlam. This Saturday it'll be SummerSlam 36. Hard to believe it's been around that long. So this morning we're going to pay our tribute, our salute and look back at the party that started it all. SummerSlam 88. My name is Jumpin' Jay. You're listening to another live episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast, and while we talk about the mega powers meeting the mega bucks, I'm sitting across from the mega man with the mega mind, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Good morning, Tommy. How's it going today, brother? Jumpin' Jay, good morning. How are you, sir? So, yeah, you're sitting across from the man with the mega mind, but I am definitely sitting across from the man with the mega bucks because uh, I mentioned it several times here on the podcast in the past. Jumpin' Jay has an unlimited bank account. Don't let him fool you wrong. So that's the real uh, mega man, mega, mega bucks, Jumpin' Jay. Don't believe a word Tommy says, ladies and gentlemen. No, I'm doing great, man. I'm doing very good this morning. Excited uh, for SummerSlam, my 10-year-old son is beyond excited to watch SummerSlam this Saturday. And so what a great topic today to look back at the event that started it all. You know, SummerSlam was one of the big four, uh, you know, introduced as one of the big four way back when. And now it seems like we have a, a pay-per-view style big event way more often. But uh, SummerSlam 88 is a fun one. It's full of nostalgia. And so I'm looking forward to getting into the conversation with you, Tommy Fierro. Absolutely, man. To this day, I mean, I, I I follow wrestling on social media and different websites than I do sitting down and watching it, but I make sure I always watch SummerSlam each and every year. One of my favorite pay-per-views as a kid, still one of my favorite pay-per-views as an adult, and yes, it's two days away this Saturday. And uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to diving into the first ever episode uh, edition of, of SummerSlam 1988. It was at the Mecca Professional Wrestling Madison Square Garden, 20,000 attendance. It took place on August the 29th, 1988. And as uh, we mentioned, the main event was the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks. Now, what's the first thing that pops into your head, Jay, when you hear SummerSlam 88? Is it when Elizabeth you know, took off her skirt and had that revealing bikini on, which was shocking at the time, or was it the ultimate... Whoa, you're okay over there, brother. (laughs) I'm doing good. (laughs) I said bikini, and you you started making all these sounds, but I just wanted to make sure you're okay. (laughs) (laughs) So so before before your grunts and groans got... uh, Interrupting my my train of thought here, uh, was it uh, that that comes to your mind first when you think of SummerSlam '88, or was it when the Ultimate Warrior was a last second substitute and defeated the Honky Tonk Man in just 31 seconds to become the new Intercontinental Champion after the Honky Tonk Man held the title for a record number of times, uh, or was it when uh, the Coco Beware couldn't uh, stand up to the Big Boss Man? I know that was one of your favorites on that show as well, Jumpin' Jay. You know, is is they're all fantastic moments, you know, and you, you failed to, to mention the Bolsheviks, which had a pretty primetime match on this particular Ooh, piece. Wow, but besides, wow. 
besides seeing them. You know, as big of a Hulkamaniac. How do you like that? Listen, all, the, all the sound I know, I know the Bolshevich gets you excited, my man, but it, it's, <laughs> as big of a Hulkamaniac as I was and I still am today, I think the first thing that sticks in my mind when I hear SummerSlam 88 is that just iconic win by the Ultimate Warrior that kind of launched him on this crazy run that would ultimately lead to him clashing with the one and only Hulk Hogan a few years later. But yeah, I think that's the, that's the moment that is cemented in my mind as taking place at SummerSlam 88. How about yourself before we hit the phone calls, man? Cause the, the light, the calls are lining up, but what's the first thing when you hear SummerSlam 1988? You know what, man, I, I might have to agree with you on that one. And that was the ultimate warrior. And I really believe that um, elevated his game uh, and, and, and status in the company overnight, how, how quickly and decisively he defeated the Hunky Tuck Man after Hunky having that title for so long. I really think if you look back on SummerSlam, uh, I mean, of course, you know, Hogan and, and Savage with Elizabeth celebrating at the end, but there's that ultimate warrior, how he just captivated that audience. And, and at the time, you know, he was a, a mid-carder coming up uh, and that really, 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 really elevated him to main event status. And, I mean, for that, you know, one or two-year period when he was on top red hot, uh, that had to definitely uh, – that definitely had a lot to do with the, the popularity of the character and his longevity, and people are still talking about him to this day, and he's not here anymore. So I think that day and that match really started that all for him. So, yeah, man, if you look back on the history – of SummerSlam, you would have to say that is probably the biggest moment of SummerSlam 88 because that led to that mid-carter becoming a household name and then making millions and millions of dollars off of, you know, his likeness and merchandise for that for that time period that he was there. So uh, if you look at it as far as a financial uh, standpoint, as far as how big of a moment that was, it's up there. That was his coming out party that was what put him on the map and uh yeah man i think that looking back is probably the the biggest news story coming out of that SummerSlam. yeah you can just tell how rabid the fans were for him because throughout this whole pay-per-view from the very start the crowd is into it they're rowdy they're making noise they're having the time of their life and then when the first three bars of his music hits they take it up another notch and they blew the they blow the roof off the place and so they were excited to see him quick iconic match and a new IC champion lots to talk about when you're talking SummerSlam 88 so we're going to jump over to the wrestling collector slam line and up first is a voice that I've been missing because we haven't been able to connect in just a little while I'm talking about Danny from Buck welcome back to the show Tommy, Jumping Jay, uh, always a pleasure. I know it's been a while, guys. You guys hear me? I, I, I think you guys are cutting out a little bit. Do you hear me? I, I hear you I'm, just I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's, the, it's Jumping Jay, the millionaire, on his flip phone that's having a hard time hearing you. Listen to you uh, guys. Uh, <laughs> um, listen, man, uh, I, guess I know it's been a while. I miss you guys. I miss talking to you. You know, obviously, uh, I went away about a month ago, and then, you know, all between uh, certain things, you know, 
you got life that happens. You know, I definitely miss uh, talking to you guys. I know I missed some uh, some good episodes uh, that I didn't get a chance to chime in on. But, like, you know, I'm glad that, you know, perfect timing, first week of August, and what better way to, you know, talk about 80s wrestling than uh, the inaugural, inaugural SummerSlam 88, uh, you know, couldn't have a you couldn't pick a perfect venue than uh, Madison Square Garden. Obviously, that was the the site of the first uh, WrestleMania. So uh, it's only fitting that you'll have uh, the inaugural SummerSlam at uh, the the Mecca, Madison Square Garden. Um, as far as the the event itself, you know there was some solid matches. Some obviously there was some underwhelming matches. You know they they kicked off the show, I believe, with the with the Bulldogs and uh, the the Rougeau brothers, I think they, they fought to like a 20-minute draw, which I think, you know, a pretty solid tag team match. You know, at that time, Team Scene at the WWF was uh, was was very hot, very solid. You had a, a plethora of tag teams that were talented. Um, um, You go back and, you know, we were making a discussion about, you know, probably what was the highlight of SummerSlam. And, you know, if you speak uh, to many people, 9 out of 10 are, are definitely going to mention Ultimate Warriors, uh, you know, coming out and uh, beating the Honky Tonk in 30-plus seconds and uh, ending his 450-plus uh, day reign as the Intercontinental Champion. You know, you talk about the pop that he got when his, you know, when his music hit. You know, the Utah, that's, a, that's, a, that's an iconic moment. That's a moment that, uh, you know, that always, you know, you know still to this day is going to stand the test of time. You know, you talk about what it did for the Warrior. You know, it definitely, you know, catapulted him, you know, the, 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 you know for the following coming years that, you know, obviously led up to the culmination of which was WrestleMania 6. So you look at uh, that, um, you look at, uh, you know, I think my, one of my favorite moments is, uh, you know, that was uh, during the, the, the peak of uh, Rick Rude and Jake the Snake Roberts uh, feud when uh, I think it was, he was going, uh, Rick Rude was against uh, Junkyard Dog. That's the first time that he introduced the Cheryl Roberts type. So, uh, you know, like I said, that right there got a big pop. Um, and, you know, we all know what uh, happened, uh, what led to that, you know, a couple weeks later on uh, on the TV tapings when the snake, uh, you know, completely disrobed Ravishing Rick Rude for wearing those tights. So, you know, that definitely drew some uh, big-time heat. Um, you know, the Mega Powers and the Mega Bucks, you know, uh, another well-brought-out story. You know, like I said, the eeny-teeny-weeny secret weapon that they had, uh, you know, Miss Elizabeth uh, in that uh, little, you know, little skirt and who would have thought, you know, months later, you know, you would have had the breakup of the, of the mega powers. And like I said, I think overall the show was solid. Um, like I said, it was a, you know, for, for it to be the inaugural event, I think they did a pretty good job. Um, you know, I kind of find it fitting, you know, you talk about this year's SummerSlam, you talk about Honky's uh, record, record setting intercontinental title reign. And, you know, you look at what they're doing right now with Gunther and I feel like, you know, I you know whether he wins or loses, I think it's not gonna it, it's not gonna hurt him or anything derail his momentum. But I think it'll be a disservice if uh, he doesn't go over on Saturday and eventually break the honky tonk man's record. I think uh, right now WWE, you obviously seen that they put a focus on long title reigns. You know, you've seen it with with the tag team title. You've seen it with Roman Reigns right now. You've seen it with the the women's championship. They're uh, you know right now it looks like they're trying to push these guys. Uh, to, you know, surpass uh, their, you know, the, the trailblazers from back then. So that's just my thought on it. Uh, I'm going to let uh, the other people, other callers, get in uh, their fill on what they have to say about SummerSlam 88. 
Well, Danny, thank you for calling in and kicking off uh, the conversation. I think your closing point is a valid one. It seems like, I don't want to say they're erasing history, but they're definitely trying to put it way back in the rearview mirror and establish the current day guys as being as over or as dominant as we remember the guys from the golden era. I, I've noticed that as well, and I think that's a very valid point on your end, sir. Yeah, well, like I said, it's, uh, you know, you can, like I said, you guys, you know, you can never, obviously, the trailblazers, but like, you know, it's like I said, when you talk about records, they're obviously, you know, they're, they're meant to be broken. That's just mm-hmm. a, a fact of life. Uh, you know, you're gonna, it's, it's gonna, you know, you, you never thought, you know, that Honky's reign would last, you know, over thir- 35 years. Uh, you, you know, you never thought that demolition would have eventually have their, their, uh, run uh broken and then you know when you look at what roman is doing right now you know it's uh you know this is unprecedented you know because he's out there night in and night out and would i like to see jimmy uso win absolutely but i don't think it's going to happen but i'm sure they're going to put a a a great show and uh i have a feeling there's going to be some type of cliffhanger uh that happens in the match you know uh, i could see maybe you who knows maybe the rock shows up maybe rikishi comes out and turns on on Jimmy who knows like I said I think they do a, they could do a lot of different directions in, with with this match and I think it's going to whatever result happens is going to leave us all satisfied yeah I'll be tuning in for sure to see what happens but I think you're right I think Roman will maintain his championship run but yeah we'll see how they twist and turn the storylines but yeah I'll be watching with my 10 year old son enjoy watching SummerSlam with your family Danny it was awesome to connect with you this morning Take care, guys, Danny. Good to hear from you, man. Tommy, always a pleasure. You guys uh, have a great one, and I look forward to seeing uh, speaking to you guys next week. Sounds yes, good, sir, brother. Man. Thank yeah. you so much. I, I, actually, I, I got to let everyone know, Jump Danny, and then tell you, I'm actually we're not going to be able to have an episode uh, next week on the podcast. I'm going to be on vacation next week, so we will be off uh, next week. Unless Jump Jay, you want to tag team with someone else next week to do the podcast, we can do that. Oh, listen, man, it would be very tough to sit in this seat and not have you across from me. You know, you say you're going on vacation, but I don't think a guy like Tommy Fierro ever really stops working. And so I'm sure you're just out there scouting the next big idea as you're uh, going around New Jersey with your family. Well, so it so happens that we're going to Wildwood on vacation for one week uh, this Sunday. And obviously uh, our big show is in Wildwood on Saturday August the 26th, brought on the boardwalk at the Wildwoods Convention Center in Wildwood. So, yeah, man, I'll be uh, I'll be pounding the pavement uh, next week while I'm down there. I'll be waking up extra early before my family gets up so I can go out for a couple hours before we start the day and then probably a couple hours at nighttime when everyone's sound asleep and uh, getting it done, my brother. That's right, man. You can just stop and uh, offer to put sunscreen on the backs of people and just write ISPW on their back in sunscreen so that when they get that nice burn, yeah, like it's just free advertising walking around the, the boardwalk for you. I like that. All right, man. We're going to keep this conversation going. We're going to connect all the way out to the West Coast with babyface Brian. Brian, good morning. It is SummerSlam weekend. We're talking SummerSlam 88. Good morning, Jay, and good morning, Tommy. Hey, uh, one thing I want to bring up is SummerSlam actually happened on the first day of school out here on the West Coast. It might have happened on the first day of school in Minnesota and New York as well, but uh, 
Uh, for me, it was the first day of eighth grade. I'm guessing for Tommy, it was the first day of either fifth or sixth grade. And for Jay, it was probably first or second grade. But uh, the anticipation of not only starting school, but then getting home that afternoon and having uh, SummerSlam at 5 p.m. for me and and probably 7 p.m. for Jay and 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. for Tommy. It was just uh, it was a heck of a way to start off the school year. Like you're looking, you're you're upset that the summer is ending, but man, to have a uh, a brand new pay-per-view from WWF starting up and and that first few years at least being on the very first day of school, that was really a treat and something to look forward to that made the end of summer not quite as uh, as bitter. Um, I don't know if you actually got to uh, attend it since it was Madison Square Garden, Tommy, or if uh, if you were like us and you got home from school that first day and couldn't wait till that night to watch SummerSlam. Yeah, it was it was uh, same situation coming home from school and can't wait and to watch it. Now that was the first SummerSlam. The second SummerSlam, the following year, I was actually there for. It was at the Meadowlands Arena where it was uh, Hogan and. Uh, beefcake against Zeus and Savage. So that's the second one, but yeah, I vividly remember watching the first one and, and, and also remember going crazy when the Ultimate Warrior came out and destroyed the Honky Tonk Man this 31 seconds. I think that's what uh, captivated me to become a big Ultimate Warrior fan as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a weekend before they showed out while Ron Bass and the big old X censored on the screen when he... Yeah. Uh, Carved up, uh, carved up Brutus's uh, forehead, and I was, uh, I was looking forward to Brutus Beefcake uh, ending the reign of Honky Tonk Man. But, but yeah, when Ultimate Warrior came out, it was really, uh, really super exciting for sure. The, uh, the other thing that, yeah, the other thing that was uh, a little interesting, and and that I noticed when it happened is, as uh, Warriors, you know, dismantling Honky Tonk Man in a hurry. Right when he goes for the big splash, Honky Tonk has to, like, <laughs> use his foot to correct himself in the ring yep. to get a little bit more straight for Ultimate Warrior. So that raised uh, – I was like, hmm, what's going on here when I saw that? So I don't know if you guys remember that while it was happening. And we're like, huh, Honky Tonk's getting in position for him. That's a little strange. So, I don't know. That was a uh, an interesting thing. And the powers of pain uh, with uh, – uh, their match against the Bolsheviks and having Baron Von Raschke, the Baron, with them, that, uh, yep. that was exciting, too. I was a, a big Powers of Pain fan when they came in as baby faces. I thought that was a, a great, uh, challenging team for demolition back at the time. So exciting. And I know what uh, Jay's grunting earlier was. It was uh, He was doing the uh, itsy, bitsy, teeny, weedy, yellow yes, polka dot bikini. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for clearing so, that up, yeah. baby face, Brian. I appreciate that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. I had to clear that up. <laughs> and, so, and, yeah, and that whole thing, you know, you see uh, Macho Man doing that promo, and you're like, what the heck is going on with the secret weapon? So, of course, he stopped with just the skirt and being red, but uh, right. but that was an eye opener at uh, at my age and your young ages, I'm sure as well. So, uh, big fan of SummerSlam '88. The nostalgia factor for it makes it probably chief among all of them for me. And uh, and I appreciate you guys bringing up the topic again this week, and love talking to you as always. So, uh, wish you guys a, a wonderful weekend, and uh, I hope you have a great time in Wildwood next week, Tommy. Thanks again so much. Hey, thank, hey, thank you, Brian. You, and real, real quickly, Brian, before you leave, will you be watching SummerSlam this Saturday, and what are you looking forward to seeing the most? 
Uh, I will be, and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, Cody Brock. I'm looking forward to uh, Roman and Jay, uh, mm-hmm. the women's three way. I mean, it's a it's a good card. Uh, Gunther, I'm sure. I, I think he'll retain, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, you know I'm I'm pleased with the product nowadays. I mean, what more can you ask for? It's not the uh, it's not the days of newness and and excitement of when we were young, but. Uh, but I feel they're still doing a uh, a nice product, and I like that it's eight matches, and uh, hopefully in the three hour range. I like these shows that are that are in the around three hours mm-hmm. and don't go uh, marathon five or six hours. So, so yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, for, God, for, God, to it for sure. God forbid, God, God forbid, Jumpin' Jay if it runs a little late and BBP's Brian can't watch his uh, reruns of The Love Boat uh, on Saturday night, you know. Hey, there's hey, a listen. Roddy Piper one out there. I got to track down. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. Yep. Right on, guys. Have an excellent week, like I say, and have a great vacation, Tommy. Thank you, brother. We'll catch you back here in two weeks on the podcast. That's right. Yeah. Listen, Babyface brought up a good point. When the honky tonk man adjusted his position, I remember as a kid thinking, "Man, that was a little fishy." And then when you, you know, get a little older, get a little wiser, you realize that the Ultimate Warrior didn't necessarily care that much about the, his opponent's position. He probably would have executed the big splash, landed on Honky's face, and, you know, who knows what would have happened. So, yeah, Honky kind of repositions himself so that the Warrior can hit that splash as a finishing move. Um, yeah, kind of raised your eyes as a kid. I definitely remember that. You remember that, Tommy? Did you ever think that was what's going on? Or by then you were probably smart to the business. I mean, you had probably ran a convention – during the day at your elementary school before coming home and watching it. <laughs> That's funny, man. That's very, very <laughs> funny. No, man, of course. I thought the same thing you did, man. I was, I grew up the biggest wrestling fan in the world. So yeah, man, he, he, he was one of the guys that captivated me as well as the entire, we've talked about this a million times on the, on the podcast in the past about the whole macho man, Hulk Hogan storyline. This it captivated it are all of our imaginations as, as a kid. And, and, and that was a, a big part of it, the start of it. And, uh, yeah, man, it, everyone keeps saying, you know, it, it just has a lot of history, this uh, pay-per-view, and it does, a lot of nostalgia behind it. And I'm, I'm happy we're covering it today because I know everyone is excited for Saturday's pay-per-view, especially the fantastic job that WWE has been doing with the Bloodline storyline. And a lot of people are also excited for Cody and Brock. So I figured it was, mm-hmm. it was a good time to – we did this topic a long time ago, but I don't believe we had it with call-ins. And I know that uh, many of our callers have said, you know, go back to the episodes you covered already, but open it up for us. So that's what we're trying to do once in a while. So I figured this was a, a good topic to pick for today. Yeah, it's an excellent topic. Uh, right on the money as far as time goes. Looking forward to Saturday. So let's keep this conversation going with another Long-time caller, long-time friend of the show. Ring that fire bell. It's time for Firefighter Brian to slide down the pole. Brian, good morning. Welcome to the conversation, sir. Hey, from the firehouse, this is Firefighter Brian. How you doing, guys? (laughs) We're doing very well, sir. How are you doing? Uh, Can't complain. Can't complain. Hey, uh, Tommy, your your vacation next week summed up in four words. What are they, Tommy? (laughs) Even I have PW. Those are letters, words. Those are letters, words. Independent superstars of professional wrestling. Watch the tram car, please, you <laughs> bastard. <laughs> 
Hey, listen, guys, I, I, this seems to be a regular thing. I mean, I seems to be doing this every week, but, hey, for, it, it's summertime. As Vince, oh, God, we talk about things we miss about, you mm-hmm. know, this era of wrestling. Oh, my God, you look at this card. You look at this show. And the thing I miss is the, uh, where the, the SummerSlam report. Remember the SummerSlam report? Mm-hmm. Whenever there was a, uh, a, a show, WrestleMania report, rah, 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 and you'd hear the, the theme song, Dan, 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 which was even, oh, my God, still t- stands the test of time. It could fly today. And you'd hear Vince yelling, it's summertime. Time for summertime. I mean, talk about getting your, your, the juices going. Get your, and then, of course, you see the, the just, I mean, we talk about, you know, great voices. I mean, Gene Okerlund doing the mm-hmm. SummerSlam report. You missed that. And, and, and his interviews, I mean, amazing. I mean, there's nobody like him. Um, but, you know, you look at, you know, there's so much you miss about, you know, uh, this era in today's wrestling. And you just look at this. This whole card is a time capsule. First of all, I don't think anybody said this yet. Um well, well, Babyface kind of touched on it. This was on a weekday, okay? When The last time they had a, a show on a weekday was when they tried that Taboo Tuesday, you know, like 20 mm-hmm. years ago. And it didn't work. So, uh, so that, I found that interesting. And, you know, it take, took place at the Garden. Remember when the Garden was the place to be? It was the wrestling capital of the world. And, uh, you know, before pay-per-view, before Saturday night's main event, before any of that, Madison Square Garden was where everything went down. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, listen, uh, like everything else, things change. And, uh, you know, stadiums and arenas opened up with just so many more seats that it really, the ends didn't didn't justify the means anymore. So, um, but yeah, the garden was a cap, the capital. Now, a couple of things I want to mention with this show is number one, you took. I mean, yes, the warrior coming out that was great choice. When you heard that song, the whole crowd went nuts, and they want. Not only did they love the warrior, but they wanted to see Honky go down. Mm-hmm. When you put those things together. And, you know, hockey, people talk about intercontinental champions. They talk about Brett. They talk about Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, Randy Savage, Tito. You know, Honky Tonk Man has had that record for 35 years. And when you look at the names that held it before him and after him, that's pretty friggin' impressive. And it looks like, yeah, I think Dan said this, and I agree with him. They're finally going back, or at least it seems that way, with long title reigns. Mm-hmm. I love long title reigns, okay? The booking is way too fast because you have too many shows. You have too much programming. But the long title reigns makes the champion look dominant. Now, I want to ask you, Gaffer, couple guys I want to spotlight. Number one, talk about things we, we don't, we miss about this era. I mean, the, just the heat. First of all, Ray Rougeau brothers coming out 
uh, as the uh, the American, what do they call themselves, the American diplomats or whatever, and they're, you know, just waving those little American flags. Talk about great pro wrestling and Rick Rude, okay, with the, uh, I think, I, I think uh, Dan brought up how he, with the Cheryl Roberts pants. If you guys haven't, and if anybody listening on here hasn't, okay, go on wherever you, uh, your, uh, YouTube, whatever, type Rick Rude, Regis, Kathy Lee. I loved when <laughs> wrestlers would go on Regis and Kathy Lee because Regis would want them to come on in character. Mm-hmm. And I'm Absolutely. not going to say what, right, right? They mm-hmm. would come on and Rick Rude was unquestionably no exception and I'm, i'll leave it at that uh, for, for those of you who haven't seen it you've got to see it there's oh my god that uh, the, the, of all the wrestler appearances on a talk show that's probably number one and number two is bad news brown on arsenio hall um and speaking of which you talk about ahead of his time wait is it i mean jesus was anybody at that era more ahead of his time to bad news brown you know, I've always been surprised that he didn't get more recognition or even a bigger push because he was one of the wrestlers as a kid that really seemed legitimate. Like maybe he was out right. to hurt people. Yeah, he had a, he had his character down. Absolutely. You know what? Well, listen, Jay, well, let me let me let me chi- let me chime in real quick. Bro. Let me let me chime in real quick there, Jay. Uh, so you said uh, that you're surprised that he didn't go farther. I'm looking at it from a promoter standpoint. I think he did a pretty damn good job for himself. I mean, he was he worked he worked the, the circuit with Hogan. Uh, he was involved with, I believe, was he involved with a feud with Jake? So I mean, he, he had some yep. he had some big feuds and matches. If, if you mean as far as not being a champion, uh, yeah, I mean, he could have been he could have been a, a, a good heel, either a great heel intercontinental champion, or a, 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 I wanted to agree with you uh, at the end. Um, but at that time, you know, Hogan was their, their, their formula back then was this keep feeding heels to Hogan for years and years. And unfortunately he was one of the heels that they got fed, but I, I believe he, he got a, a pretty good uh, push for the short amount of time he was there. Yeah, he seemed like to me as a kid, he seemed like kind of one of these step above enhancement talent where he was featured in prominent spots. He made appearances on pay-per-views, but he never really cracked like the action figure line. You didn't really see any bad news, Brown merchandise at your local Toys R Us or your, or your merchandise store. And so he, to me, he fits in this really odd category where he's above an enhancement talent, but he's somehow does not get the same respect as other guys on the card. At least that was my point of view. You know, he does bring up a good point, Tommy, with the figures. The thing is, I think he came aboard right as WWF's relationship with LJN ended. Um, yeah, I think he got hurt in that regard. They did make a classic superstars of him. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, I would, and you're, seeing, you're seeing a little bit of a resurgence of him on AEW with Jericho and uh, what's-his-name, Don Callis. Um, very underrated, again, ahead of his time. He really was, when you look at it, he was a black Stone Cold Steve Austin without the beer and the middle fingers. Mm, that's um, an interesting it, take, yeah. He he was a PG Stone Cold Steve Austin. And 
I loved how he won the battle. I, I even called it. I said to my parents, he's going to win the battle royal. Watch. And you know, a big moment he had, though. Here's a big moment. Brother Love had Jack Tunney on the Brother Love show. And I miss Jack Tunney. I saw a meme a while ago. where It, it was a picture of him that said, when this guy showed up on TV, you knew some serious shit was about to go down. And when he came on the Brother Love show, Bad News Brown kept, comes on and says, why aren't I the number one contender to Macho Man? And he, like, choked Jack Tunney. So he did have some big um, some big moments. But um, I just want to ask you guys, okay, and he's, that guy's did a whole show on this before my time. Um, if you had to pick number one on the list of all the guys that aren't in the WWE Hall of Fame that should be, who would be your number one? That's a great question. Tommy, you want to go first? You want me to? Uh, yeah, I can go first. I mean, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, there's a lot of guys that, that should be in there right now that are in there, but maybe because they're still active as well. So I'm going to go just by the first person that came to my head when you said that. And that would be King Kong Bundy. I think that King mm. Kong Bundy was in the main yeah. event of WrestleMania two against Hulk Hogan, how is someone in the main event against Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 2 inside of a steel cage uh, has done work outside of the WWF at the time, whether it be married with children or uh, moving the movie. Uh, I think he's a pop culture name that is grossly not given the credit he deserves as far as his contributions to the business at that time. So, uh, first thing that comes to my mind, I think, would be Bundy. Yeah, and mine would mine would be the standard answer of of demolition. I think that's okay. overdue, and I'm hoping fences will be mended, and uh, we'll see them go in someday. I uh, I agree a thousand percent with the both of you. Okay, Bundy definitely belongs. Demolition is also my number one, but number two is the guy that Bad News Brown uh, compete against on that oh, show. Oh sure. That's Ken. It's time to put Ken in. You know, bad enough what happened to him. I know it's controversial, mm-hmm. the sentence he got. He's one of those guys that gets forgotten about. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm going to end with this. I usually begin with this stuff. We talk about how ahead of his time Bad News Brown was. Well, it seems like every week we're uh, saying goodbye mm-hmm. to somebody. This week we said goodbye to two people. First, is there anybody more uh, ahead of his time well, yes, Superstar Graham, this Dynamite Kid, Jushin Liger, Exotic Adrian Street, Rest right. in Paradise, exo- you know, before Orlando Jordan, before Gold Dust, before Adrian Adonis, there was Exotic Adrian Street. And uh, did either of you guys, uh, any uh, memories of meeting him or working with him? Unfortunately, I've never uh, worked with him. Uh, I did talk to him within the last year about possibly doing uh, an 80s wrestling con in the future. Um, They they live, the air fears have been crazy to get them over here, but within the last year I I did have contact with them uh, through uh, email about possibly doing something, but unfortunately that's not going to happen now, but I would have loved to have had the opportunity to do something with them. 
Oh, um, at least he got to talk to him. I mean, just uh, way ahead of his time. You know, WWE on the network did a uh, like a one hour like documentary on him. And, and for those who haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. He uh, wrote a bunch of documentaries, terrific. And I'm just happy to say that I was at the Nassau Coliseum the night that Pee Wee Herman guest hosted Monday Night Raw. And, you know, that those guest hosting era was horrible. And the segment wasn't even that great, but it was cool to see him live, talk about an mm-hmm. 80s wrestling podcast, talk about an 80s icon. Doesn't get much bigger than Pee Wee Herman. And, uh, you know, another thing to uh, look for, uh, type Pee Wee Herman, Rowdy Roddy Piper. They actually did a segment together back in the 80s when both were at their peak. So with that, guys, thanks for all the time. And, hey, uh, yeah, total with Tom, I heard you last week. You know what? They give more to, the better you are, the more time you get. So how's that? So <laughs> next week, gentlemen, listen. Here we two go. Weeks, listen, this has been the, the firehouse with firefighter Brian. And until Love next it. time, watch the tram car, please. Have a good one, guys. Talk to you in hey. two weeks, I hope. Sounds Take good, care, Brian. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and, and oddly enough, Pee Wee Herman. WWE Slammy Award winner, Pee Wee Herman. He won a Slammy Award back in 2010 for a guest star shining moment of the year. And so, yeah, Slammy Award winning Pee Wee Herman. That's kind of an odd thing to say. I am actually Googling Roddy Piper, Pee Wee Herman as we speak. And there is a a skit on there on uh, YouTube. So I'm going to check it out after the podcast is over. So is is it a skit from... From a WWF programming, or did Piper make an appearance in the Playhouse? Uh, I believe it's a, a appearance in the Playhouse. I'm not 100, percent but it's something though. That's fantastic, man. All right, we're going to keep the conversation going, and we're going to turn it into a party because we're connecting with the one and only Marty from Millville. Marty, good morning. Welcome to SummerSlam '88, the conversation. Jumping Jade, Tommy Fierro. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good good morning. How are you doing? Party's here. Doing all right. Uh, Tommy, so happy you're bringing the show to Wildwood. I know I messaged you, but, yeah, I was, like, when um, when I was watching all the ISPW shows, I'm like, man, I'd go to more of these if they weren't, like, a few hours away, if they were just in South Jersey. Well, you're bringing one to Wildwood, so I can't complain, so I got to go. Um, awesome. I'm really how, how far, how far is Wildwood from you? Uh, about 40 minutes. I'm, I'm in Cumberland County, so I'm, like, Delaware Bay, like, kind of – I don't know. They're down in like all the way at the bottom, but not Cape May. So awesome, man. We look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. And, and firefighter Brian's right. Like the tram car thing. Like I know when people are listening, if you're not from <laughs> like South Jersey, like that is a very real thing that he's saying. He's not making it up. Um, and, and it is annoying, but you just, if you're from here, you just get used to it. So, you, know, you know what it is? You know, what it is, you know what it is to me, uh, Marty? What's music to my ears, brother. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's cool. You're going down there. I got to get down and get some Max Pizza. If you if you haven't had that, that's the best pie in the whole state. I, I will put my oh, money yeah. on. So, anyway, SummerSlam '88. There is a lot there. Uh, a lot of it's already been unpacked. Um, but yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is definitely Miss Elizabeth. Uh, no, no denying that. But um, Warrior. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, you guys already talked about like that pop, which is one of the loudest in history. 
And it also goes to show, like, why Vince and the creative team had to push Ultimate Warrior. That guy was so over, it was ridiculous. And I know a lot of mm-hmm. people sit back now and say, oh, that guy, he couldn't wrestle. Oh, he's all about himself. Or he... That guy was so crazy over, it was ridiculous. And and you heard it. And I'm, I'm a huge Honky Tonk Man uh, fan. So seeing him do the job after a long reign, like that, that's a, he deserves credit for that. Because he went out and it was, it was a squash match, match, and 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 he enabled it. So he he did what was right. Um, but for a year, myself and so many others were just begging for Honky Tonk Man to lose. Uh, and that's a credit to how good of a heel he was. He was mm-hmm. amazing. Like you, for for over a year, you were like, "Come on, Brutus Beefcake WrestleMania four. Like, got to be like every Saturday morning he was on, even against Enhanced Town. Like, come on, just pull out an upset." But. Uh, you know, but Honky was such a great heel that, man, you, you, you rooted against him fiercely. You match it up with Ultimate Warrior, and then you get what you get. Um, one thing I will say about the show is that it was real, like a another one of those turning points in history. We start to say goodbye to some people. Like, it was the last uh, pay-per-view for Don Morocco. And I know, Tommy, you've talked about him on here before, but um, he doesn't get a whole lot of love and should. He He was a great classic heel. He didn't have any crazy gimmick. He was just magnificent Rocco and he was cocky and he was all that, but um, great heel, great worker, great wrestler. Um, so that was like the end of the era for him. You see the bulldog starts to go away. Kempatera goes away. Um, they didn't last too long. So, you know, it, it was one of those turning points. And then of course, mega powers, in my opinion, still greatest storyline ever. Um, and so you, you see like, the height of their relationship here. They're working together still. They're one unit. They take down the giant and the millionaire. And, um, you know, we, we know what happens. So this is sort of the apex of it. Yeah, it's, it's a show full of nostalgia, just as you're naming those matches and naming those people. And I don't know if you've watched it recently, Marty, but if you go back and just even the promos between matches with, Hogan, Savage, the Warrior, like they're all over the top. It it just pro wrestling '88 was just in a whole different atmosphere at this time, and uh, just the energy in the building, the energy in every matches, the promos, you can almost feel it through your TV screen. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and you're feeling it for weeks leading up to it. Yeah, absolutely. Every interview segment they did, everything was like, oh my god, I have to get this. It was it was the best. Absolutely. Are also, you going to be watching SummerSlam on Saturday, Marty? I I won't. Uh, okay. And as you talk about uh, watching it with your kid, I'm jealous because my my sons are three and one, so oh, they sure. don't they don't know what's yeah, going on. Yeah, they don't get yet. any of it. Yeah. Um, but I I do look forward to that. You know, I thought about that when I was up at uh, you know back in May when I was up in North Jersey for Wrestling Con, like. Can't wait to take my kids to this kind of thing. And I saw like Danny from Butler with his family. It's like, yeah, that's that's what I'm looking forward to. But I got to wait a little bit and watch Peppa Pig and stuff like that, and not wrestling. So <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. Sort of where I'm at. I'll tell you this, Marty, from experience. Don't wish away the the time you have now because there'll be a day where you miss sitting watching Peppa Pig with your little ones. Yeah, no, I, I, you you are very much yeah. correct. I know. I I can't wait. But I did want to throw congratulations to Babyface Brian. Uh, on his podcast, I've been listening to it. Really cool the way um, you know he walks through the figures, and you know, mm-hmm. so, and then he incorporates some of his personal memories into it. So, babyface, great job on the podcast, bud. 
That's right. It's a great listen if you haven't listened to it yet. Yeah. Right. Some of the guests are a little sketchy, but anyway. Well, yeah, they can't all be five-star guests. Some... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you, Marty. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys have a good one, Tommy. Enjoy your time down here in beautiful South Jersey. Uh, and I should be uh, seeing you in a few weeks. Yeah, man. Make sure to try and grab someone new. Uh, give me a second to say hello to you at the show. Yeah, we'll do. All right, man. We'll see you in a few weeks then. All right. Take care, guys. Take care, man. Fantastic. That's the party from Millville, our friend Marty, checking out the Wildwood show for ISPW. So that'll be awesome. He saw the show at uh, 80s Wrestling Con. I know he loved it, and so I'm sure he's going to be there cheering nice and loud for you, Tommy. Before we take the next caller, Tommy, I wanted to ask you a question. In preparation for this show, I watched uh, some of SummerSlam 88 back, and while I love... Um, the skill on the microphone when it comes for cutting promos from superstar Billy Graham. I don't know if I loved him as the color commentary guy. I want to get your thoughts. What do you think of superstar Billy Graham teaming up with Gorilla Monsoon to do color commentary for this pay-per-view? Well, while I, I thought that superstar Billy Graham was a great talker for superstar Billy Graham as far as getting his character over, I don't necessarily think that transpired into a great color commentator as far as getting other guys over. Um, I do think, think, does that make sense or no? No, the fact that you said he he was great at talking about, Superstar Billy Graham was great at talking about Superstar Billy Graham. I think when you put it that way, that's exactly what it was. He was great with his rhythmic promos and his jive talking, but it just, it didn't translate to color commentary for me. Now, actually, the, the, the slam line is ringing here at the, at the Wrestling Collector Shop today, the real slam line. Let me uh, just make sure it's not the mystic man calling me. And yeah, it's not, okay. Well, you can take the call. I can jump on to the next caller here on the show. This is a great podcast right here. We got multiple lines just blowing up. I love it. Yeah, man. Yeah, you answer the next call, and I'm gonna, I'll be right back. Sounds good. This is a real treat because I, I complained about not hearing his voice in a little while, and he's calling back into the show. Danny from Butler. Must be more you want to share, brother. What's going on? Hey, listen, I, I, I didn't mean to get call in and, and uh, get another uh, two cents, and I'm just thinking because, like, you know, sometimes you have to wait, you know, obviously to the end of the episode to listen to what everybody says. So yeah. I called just to check in and uh, see if I, I heard anybody else. I Firefire Brian, Babyface Brian, and Total Tom, you know, so I called in, you know, just to listen to the rest of the show because I, you know, really didn't feel like waiting till after 12, but, you know, since you got me on the line, I don't know if there's anybody else waiting, but, you know, I got to, I'm going to agree with you, uh, Jumping Jay, about uh, Superstar Billy Grant's commentary. Definitely, I don't think, it, it definitely left a lot to be desired, um, you know, obviously, you know, they had the whole angle uh, with Jesse Jesse Ventura being the special guest referee. Right. So he was, yep. uh, I guess he wasn't going to be uh, on double duty that much. Um, so, like I said, I guess that's why they uh, they had him uh, cover. But, you know, like I said, it's a, like I said, definitely a show that brought back, a, brings back a lot of, a lot of nostalgia. You know, they got it. The, the previous caller brought up, you know, it was like, you know, pretty much a swan song for a lot of guys. He mentioned Don Morocco, 
mm-hmm. uh, pretty much, you know, that was pretty much the end of his run in the WWF. Uh, you brought, you know, you look at uh, Ken Patera, you know, you, he showed definitely, you know, he was showing his age, so he was definitely, you know, at the twilight of his uh, career. You know, you go back at the, you look at the, the Bulldogs after that match with the um, the Rujos. I think that's pretty much around that time. After that is the whole the whole incident uh, with uh, with uh, the Dynamite Kid and and uh, Jacques Rougeau with sure, the whole, yeah. uh, you know, I think he he hit him with a with a, a roll of pennies or quarters a right. full of, you know, so that kind of like, you know, he was known apparently for being a bully. And I guess, you know, the, you know, the, the bully stepped up and he pretty much after that happened, he pretty much had to swallow his pride and couldn't do nothing. So that was pretty much yeah. the end of his run, which was quite a shame because you look at the, well, he, you know, the performer that he was, I don't think he really got the credit that he deserved throughout his career. And that definitely, you know, that whole incident, you know, you look back at, you know, they were, you know, both of them, both uh, Davy Boy and him were known to be bullies and rivers. So it kind of like, you know, it went full circle. It, you know, kind of like it kind of tarnished his legacy, which is such a shame because he was such a great uh, competitor and an entertainer. And, you know, you look at the people that he, uh, you know, that, you know, he came out of the dungeon. You look at the amount of people, the superstars that follow him. You know, he had some, you know, a, a, some type of legacy, but kind of a tarnished one. But, right. you know, I know if you have other calls, I'm going to let you guys, uh, you know, finish up the show. I just wanted to listen to what was left of it, and I, I appreciate that you let me get in a couple more comments. Well, I appreciate you calling back in. I'll stick you back on hold. That way you can keep listening to the show, and uh, we'll see if uh, Total with Tom calls in to, to give us his two cents as well, Danny. But thank you for calling in. Thank you for sharing. And, yeah, hold on the line, and you'll be able to listen to the rest of the show. All right, brother. You have a great weekend, you and Tommy. All right, you too, man. Thank you, you too, so much. Man. So that, that wasn't that wasn't Vince McMahon calling, uh, and I don't know if he would be calling right now. He was uh, pretty uh, heavily in the news yesterday, uh, as I'm sure that you uh, might have saw Jumpin' Jay. Is uh, no, I didn't see it. So I'm going to Google his name right now. But I was going to say, when is Vince McMahon not uh, in the news? You know, uh, he's a mover and a shaker. But let me go to my newsreel here. Um, it was probably just somebody calling the store, either looking for buying merchandise or maybe they're trying to get their hands on some uh, some ISPW tickets. It's 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 weird. It's actually it, it was a, a Minnesota uh, a Minnesota area code, and when I picked up, they were looking for a WWF event poster from when the Bolsheviks headlined your town. So I have a feeling you're having your Aunt Shirley call up the. The podcast and uh, hey, listen real quickly. I'm gonna read off the results of the SummerSlam show in its entirety before we end today's episode. The opening match saw the British Bulldogs and the Fabulous Rougeau brothers end in a 20-minute draw. Bad News Brown defeated Kempatera. Rick Rude with Bobby the Brain Heenan defeated the Junkyard Dog by disqualification. The Powers of Pain with the Baron defeated the Bolsheviks. Sorry, Jay. Controversial. You had the Ultimate Warrior, as we talked about heavily on today's episode, captured the Intercontinental title in just 31 seconds against the Honky Tonk Man. And uh, we also had Dino Bravo with Frenchie Martin. USA is not okay, Jumpa Jay. He defeated Don Morocco in just 5 minutes and 28 seconds. Demolition uh, took on the Hart Foundation and defeated them. The Big Boss Man with Slick made quick work of Coco Beware. We saw Jake the Snake Roberts defeat Hercules, 
And in the main event, it was the Mega Powers, Hulk Hogan, and the Macho Man, Randy Savage, with Miss Elizabeth defeating the Mega Bucks, the Million Dollar Man, and Andre the Giant with both Virgil and Bobby Heenan in their corner. And the special guest referee on that was Jesse the Body Ventura. So that was your first ever SummerSlam card from 1988. Tons of... uh, Big, big, big names on this event. Tons of memories. And yeah, Double J, I think when it all is said and done, uh, just because of the history and the longevity behind some of these stories, wrestlers, and matches, uh, this SummerSlam is going to live forever. Yeah, and you know, it's the one that started it all. It's hard to believe that it's, there's been so many SummerSlams. Like I said, uh, this one this year, 2023, is billed as the 36th annual SummerSlam, but man, the party that started it all, SummerSlam 88. This was back when they didn't have premiere events every month. You know, you had to wait around and storylines were allowed to build. And this one had great build to it, but it also launched other storylines. You know, this is in the long line of building to WrestleMania when the mega powers explode. This one sees the ultimate warrior get the rocket strapped to his back. And so just a lot of things going on. This one helped kick off uh, Rick Rude and Jake the Snakes feud. And so, yeah, just so much stuff going on here. Just a great time to be a fan. And if you're looking for a dose of nostalgia, go ahead and put it on uh, the Peacock Network and just watch SummerSlam 88. The matches are great. The promos between matches will get you hyped up. Just kind of a fun show all around. Yeah, man. I think actually as soon as I get off the phone with you and open the doors at the Wrestling Collector here and Stockholm, New Jersey on Route 23. I think I'm going to put on SummerSlam 88 and let everyone uh, that comes in today uh, pay uh, homage and get ready for SummerSlam this Saturday, the 36th anniversary, you said, correct? Yeah, that's what they're billing it as. And uh, when you put it on, make sure you listen to Gorilla Monsoon's intro because he says it's, he says it's not an event, it's a happening about four times in the in the opening. It made me chuckle when I was watching it back. So that must have been slang back in 88, man. It's a happening. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, man, I hope that you and your family have a great weekend, Jumpin' Jay. I hope everyone at home has a great weekend and week because I will not be here next week. I will be live on location, Jumpin' Jay, in Wildwood, New Jersey, and I will be riding the tram car. You know what I'm going to do, Jumpin' Jay? I'm actually going to text you. <laughs> Uh, a, a video of the tram car and them doing lots of tram car flips so you can get an idea what it's all about because I know uh, firefighter Brian's been talking heavily about it the last couple weeks here on the uh, the podcast. So, yeah, man, I hope you guys have a great week and uh, I will be away next week and we'll return back there in two weeks right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.